0: Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. We have all faced and will face points where we have to navigate the space between our past step and our next step. In these moments, How do we put aside the frustration felt in wanting to know where to go, and instead focus on utilising our passions to pursue our calling? In this episode, we spoke to Yvonne Bajella, who began her career as an analyst at Goldman Sachs. After merging her talents and interests, she's now pursuing her calling as a founding member and investor in early-stage companies at Impact X Capital, and has also been featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. In this episode, Yvonne spoke about how overcoming challenges has become the very thing that has brought her success, the bold moves she's had to take to end up where she is, and how she's found fulfilment in walking in her calling. Let's listen in. This is fun. I feel like with this podcast, a lot of it is just interviewing my friends, which I love.
1: <laughs>
0: so my first question, I always like to get started so our audience can get to know you. If you could have a dinner party and invite four guests from any era, who would they be and why?
1: Oh, um, so I think I'll definitely love to invite Serena Williams. I just think she's really multifaceted. Um, she's a successful tennis player, bench capitalist, businesswoman, and an amazing mother. And almost everything she does, she does it with excellence. Um, I think second person would be Sheila Johnson. So again, she's someone that I really admire. She co-founded BET, and she earned her spot as the first black female billionaire on the Forbes list in, in the year 2000 gosh 20 years ago yeah (laughs) um Beyonce again just simply because of her work ethic like her work ethic is absolutely incredible I'd love to just you know spend time with her and understand what drives her and then finally I would say um Sarah Jake Roberts and just because every time I listen to her she takes me to church (laughs) and you know she's an amazing mother and wife as well amazing
0: um and how do you like to relax given how busy work is for you
1: yeah, so a few things. Um, so, first of all, you know, I do spend a lot of time watching Netflix. I'm a big fan of docu-series and documents, documentaries. Um, recently, just watched Last Dance. So, for anyone who hasn't seen it, definitely recommend it. <laughs> um, also, just cooking. So, I find it really therapeutic. I love experimenting with new dishes and, you know, getting creative in the kitchen. Um, and then finally, just reading books. So, I love just burying myself into books. Currently, reading um, Atomic Habits, which was recommended to me by a friend and it's, it's been a good read so far.
0: Amazing and what's a surprising or unusual fact about you?
1: Yeah so something that a lot of people don't know about me is the fact that I've lived and worked in in quite a few countries um, so Kenya, Japan, South Africa, Israel and I really do feel like you know having that exposure has really allowed me to see things from a different perspective and really taken me out of my comfort zone Um, also as well as exposing me to different working styles so it's definitely played a big role in who I am today
0: amazing I'm sure you couldn't pick but if you had to say which has been your favorite country to live in
1: oh that's a tough one I'll probably say Kenya yeah I loved Kenya amazing
0: um so I always like to get into I guess people's childhoods and looking back on maybe what kind of told the story that they would be where they are today so can you tell us a little bit about your childhood um where how and what were the values that shaped you
1: yeah definitely so um interestingly enough my my parents my mum and dad were both immigrants from Ghana and they were really the epitome of entrepreneurs so growing up, my mom was a real hustler. The fact, the fact that, you know, originally she worked in a supermarket. My dad was a cab driver. Um, you know, they both came from Ghana and set out to create a better life for us. Unfortunately, my dad passed away last year, but he's probably played the most influential role in my life. Wow. Uh, when it comes to my mom, she's probably the greatest example of an entrepreneur that I knew growing up. You know, she, she was always on the phone hustling to the point where <laughs> me and my sister would be like, you know, give yourself a break woman. <laughs> and um, you know, to the point where she now has multiple properties in the UK, multiple properties in Ghana, and she also runs a business. Um, with respect to my dad, I just recall him always telling me, you know, knowledge is power. And that's something that he really, really drilled into my mind. Wow. So on Saturdays when other children would be out there, you know, living their best lives, like playing out, I was made to read the Financial Times and Wow. He really did, <laughs> yeah. And he really did give me lessons on like the economy and, you know, money management, the economic systems. So that really did spark my interest in in finance, and it really gave me this whole discipline and and this perspective that I could really change the world from a financial perspective. So for me, it was just seeing that hustle and drive in both of my parents that really shaped me into believing anything is possible, and I think that's why today when I set out to do anything. I won't have anyone tell me I can't do it. it would, even if they do, it will just make me go harder. Um, and so, even though growing up we didn't have the resources, um, the values and knowledge that my parents instilled with me have really shaped who I am today.
0: Amazing. Gosh, so inspiring. Um, definitely some lessons for me when I have kids in the future. <laughs> they will not
1: make them read Financial <laughs> Times. <laughs>
0: um, so, what was the journey from university into working life? For you and at university did you have an idea of what you wanted to do um as you went into the world of work
1: not at all actually so when I came out of university I was really really fortunate to start a career at Goldman Sachs um and I just remember being very socially awkward so you know I was surrounded by all males I didn't really feel as if I fitted in and I couldn't really relate to the whole working culture of, you know going to the pub on Thursday night going out on Friday again um And I just realized very early on that that wasn't my calling. I knew that, you know, banking was definitely not what I wanted to do. And it was at that point that I realized that, you know, opportunities can be presented to you in life, but they're not necessarily the be all or end goal for you. Um, And I just remember telling my parents, especially my dad that I wanted to leave. And he was absolutely horrified. Like he was, he literally told me, no, i would regret it. And, you know, he tried to convince me to, to stay there for a few years, but I just feel as if, you know, when God places something in your heart, he makes it come to fruition. And I knew that I wanted to work more closely with companies. So within the the time that I left, I managed to secure another role within a matter of weeks um, at a large insurer called Catelyn. I was working in the strategy arm there, and I just felt a sense of peace. So I knew that that I I had made the right decision. Um, And since then, I've I've gone on to make a number of... um, I guess, bold career moves. So, you know, after joining Catlin, I went on to to join um, a, a boutique strategy consulting firm where I remember taking a 30k pay cut. Wow. Um, yeah. So that, that was something that, you know, it was quite a battle in my mind, but I knew that, you know, I wanted to gain that experience. So I knew that, you know, taking that pay cut wouldn't be forever. And I feel as if a lot of us, when we come out of university, we feel as if we want to have everything figured out. But you know, there's definitely times where I felt really frustrated, but you just have to realize that, you know, your path is, is a bumpy road. It can be a bumpy road. It's, it's a journey. Um, and so having me taken those bold moves and, and those um, various career uh, changes I did have brought me to where I am today. Amazing.
0: Um, and can you tell us more about where you are today and what your day to day job entails?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm currently working at Impact Tax. So that's a UK-based venture capital fund. And for those that may not be familiar with venture capital funds, essentially they invest in startups. Um, So at Impact Tax, we do invest in, in early stage startups, particularly in startups run by underrepresented founders. And just more generally speaking, as a venture capitalist, beyond providing money, we do try to add a lot of value. So in any given day, I could be helping with recruitment, helping you know, select talent. I could be helping with interviews. Um, you know, I could be you know, working with companies on their sales strategies, helping them figure out you know, new ways in which they can approach clients. Um, you know, there may be times where I'm helping with fundraising or even just helping them think through their, their narrative and how they pitch their story to other investors. But ultimately, it's all about you know, adding value to the company, rolling your sleeves up. Um, and almost being a, an employee for the company.
0: Wow um, and you spoke a little bit about how you've always kind of made bold career moves and um, what have been some of the key lessons I guess that you'd say you've learned in your career so far?
1: Yeah so I think one of the key lessons I've learned along the way is t- just to not waste your time trying to be like anyone else but yourself because the things that are unique to you um, and you may think are strange are actually your superpowers so I remember when I was at university, I was often told that I was quite soft and, you know, having studied economics, um, there were a lot of males on my course, but I've come to realize now that that was actually um, my ability to really emphasize and relate to people. And that skill is so important in the world that I'm in today, where I am having to work with entrepreneurs and I'm quickly able to understand their pain points and help establish that, that relationship of trust and help them navigate through the challenges. I think another... that i've learned along the way is the the ability to really weather storms Mm -hmm. i think regardless of whatever you do in life you are going to face challenges you know even now we're in the midst of a pandemic right and you know i'm having to make some really really tough decisions but i'm able to find peace in the midst of the madness Mm -hmm. because i know that this time will pass and you know i'm just trying to remain focused on on what really matters so it's just about recognizing that you know whatever you do yes you may face challenges but It's really about, you know, how you navigate through those challenges.
0: So I'd love to hear your views on kind of money and security, particularly because you've worked at Goldman Sachs, you've had a great job in finance. You're now investing huge sums of money into businesses. Um, What is the relationship for you between money and security and your faith?
1: Hmm. I think ultimately the way I see money, it's, it's, it's a, it's a means of life. So money is definitely not the be all or end all. And I just feel as if, um, yes, I'm, I'm definitely working with big sums of money, but that does not really phase what pays me in terms of, you know, for me, it's all about having impact and, and the money is just a facilitator.
0: Amazing. Um, And in terms of how entrepreneurs that you work with or that you advise should think about money um, in the context of their business and cash flow, what advice would you give for maybe, say, someone who's a creative, so their gift lies in creating, not necessarily the numbers and commercial aspects? What advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are wanting to make financially sustainable businesses but don't really know how to?
1: Yes, I think this is a really good question. I think ultimately, irrespective of of what you do is so important that you have a handle on your finances. So, you know, get a spreadsheet, know what your incomings and outgoings are plan ahead. You know, if you're freelancing, for example, you want to make sure that you're setting aside money for your taxes, Um, you know, try to be prudent where possible. So if you are a freelancer, for example, you want to make sure that you are setting aside money for a rainy day as well, because you just don't know what's going to happen and you want to be well prepared for any um, potential eventualities um and you know there are a number of courses available out there where you can get up to speed with finances because I know that a lot of people tend to feel a bit uncomfortable or um feel a bit out of their depth when it comes to finances so I would definitely recommend you know getting up to speed and actually you know having a clear understanding of, of your finances I think it's really really important
0: amazing and how do you think the pandemic will change um the world of investing, and then also the world of business, if you're on the side as an entrepreneur.
1: yeah, so this this is something that i've I've been thinking about quite a lot because I think that you know we are in unprecedented times. It's definitely not going to be business as usual when we come out of this. Um, and I'm already seeing a number of changes and shifts in in consumer and business behaviour. I think one big change that we're likely to see is is the shift to more remote working. Um, I definitely know that, you know, from my days having worked at Goldman's and, and um at Mitsui, for example, working from home was something that was almost found upon. Um however, I, I do believe that this has this situation that we're in now is is pushing com- to companies to get more comfortable with with remote working. So I definitely think we'll see more of that. Um, there's definitely been an acceleration in other you know, products and services, so telehealth so, and remote diagnostics, for example. Um, I think that what is really shown us as well is as companies, as business owners, as founders and entrepreneurs, you really do need to plan ahead for the unknown. So you know, being more prudent sets money aside um, for a rainy day. Uh, don't always assume that things are going to go well. Um, because, you know, as as we're in now, we're in a recession or even potentially a depression and we don't know when we're going to come out of it. So I think coming out of this it's really important that business do start to think about when there is a bumpy road, how do they weather the storm?
0: Amazing. And um obviously your career sounds like it's been amazing and just an upward trajectory, but what have been some of the main challenges, I guess you'd say, that you faced in your career and working life and how have you overcome them?
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess one of the most challenging periods of my life was um, when I was presented with the opportunity to work at Mitsui. So that's a Japanese investment company. So I was asked to come on board as an investment manager. It was a really, really senior position. Um, I was asked to come up, come in and, and head up investments in Africa. I'd never worked within venture capital before, never worked in private equity. So it was all completely new to me. And so I was really, I was just really battling whether I should take it on. I remembered, you know, praying on it, and I, I ultimately decided to go for the position. I completely fell out of my, felt as if I was out of my depth, um, and you know, so that was definitely one of the most challenging periods of my life because it was almost a battle of having to to manage individuals on my team, but you know, facing this challenge of am I able to exert authority when I know so little about the role. So those initial six months were definitely a real roller coaster for me. And I remember having to do late nights. So I was staying, you know, well past midnight. I was ordering delivery every single night. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just a really challenging period. And for me, what really helped me through that was just um, finding someone within the company that was they're willing to support. So, there was a lady in New York and she agreed that she would, you know, spend time taking me through things. She ended up, you know, reviewing my work and really helped me develop my skills. So, I feel like even during periods of adversity, just know that things will be okay and, and just have that positive attitude. And you'll find that, you know, manifestations and doors do start to open. So, yes, that was a really challenging period of my life. But I never saw failure or defeat as an option for me, and I just feel like just generally God will never give you more than what you can handle
0: wow, i'm inspired already. <laughs> uh- so I want to talk a bit about purpose, because um, I often speak to people who say that they've got a passion or they feel that their purpose lies elsewhere. Um, but for you, obviously, knowing you as a friend, I know that the way that you invest so much into people and relationships is your purpose and your career have very much aligned. But when did you discover that investing was something that you wanted to do, that you were good at and that you felt was yeah, what you were supposed to be doing?
1: Yeah, so definitely, like you said, you know, the field that I'm in, investing in startups, there are two ways I can invest. So that's either investing in the people that I work with or investing through money, right, and resources. And I realized I love doing that early on in my career. So I actually um, started out consultancy early in my career where I was working with entrepreneurs in Africa. And that's where I really, really realized that I love working with entrepreneurs. I love, you know, investing in them, whether it be, you know, providing knowledge, access to resources or strategic support. Um, And it's that one thing that I I wake up feeling really excited about. Wow.
0: What motivates you? Um, Because obviously, a lot of investors, there's the return on investment. um, But with the work that you do and the companies that you're involved in, what kind of makes you excited every day when you go to work?
1: Yeah, sure. So for me, it's all about, you know, what really drives me and and what am I excited about when I wake up in the morning? And for me, that's the real hunger to support entrepreneurs. I feel like in this life, you really do need to understand, you know, what personally drives and motivates you and, and coming to realize that for me was where I realized that I knew I had to work within um, an industry or field where I could continue working with entrepreneurs. So it's something that I always rise up for the occasion for, even when it's challenging. Supply, supporting entrepreneurs is, is really what I love doing. And I strongly do believe that, you know, when you add value to others and truly serve people, success will follow.
0: Um, and within your industry, you're one of few, both from an um, ethnicity perspective and gender. Have you ever suffered with imposter syndrome? And um, how do you cope with being someone that's very different within your sphere?
1: Oh, hundred <laughs> um, percent imposter syndrome is so real, uh, yeah, so definitely, like you said, being the only black woman, you know, whether it be in board meetings and in events, initially, early on in my career, I found myself tof- often questioning you know, am I meant to be here, or especially when you feel as if you can't connect with people immediately, um, you know, so I remember when I started my career at Goldman's, I was the only black female in my department. And I was almost paralyzed with this fear of even asking questions. Wow. But then, you know, I've come to realize over the years that almost everyone battles with imposter syndrome, right? So, Sheryl Sandberg, CEO of Facebook, battles with it. Serena Williams, arguably the best tennis player of all time, battles with it. Um, so, what matters is how you actually battle it. And for me, what I've realized is, is just acknowledging those thoughts and, and putting them into perspective because ultimately the mind is a battlefield and, and understanding that gives you power over those doubts. Mm. What I've found also really helps is just having someone that can hold you accountable. So whenever I get those feelings of doubts, so I'll discuss that with my husband and he really does talk some sense into me and help, <laughs> <laughs> and help me overcome those thoughts as well.
0: Um, you've spoken a lot about relationships and um, I know for me in my life, I've been so impacted by the kind of mentors or people who maybe it's not even a long-term mentoring relationship, but even having conversations, who would you say have been some of the key people that have invested into you and made you who you are outside of obviously your parents and your husband?
1: In all honesty, I, I don't take on the professional, the title of mentorships when when I see someone as my mentor. So in in many cases in my life, it's been individuals I've worked with, colleagues, um, and, and they've been in positions position where you know, they are far ahead of me in their years, for example, um, and, they've, and I've been able to tap into them and tap into their knowledge and, and they've provided me advice. So just to give you an example, in my previous company, there was a woman that was, you know, very senior, sat on the, on the board um, and I would just go into her office and have conversations with her um, and she was very open. I just feel like in life, um, you don't necessarily need to have someone as a, a formal mentor, to go and ask someone for advice or just check in with them.
0: Um, So I wanted to talk a bit more about um, kind of your learnings from working with so many founders, particularly underrepresented ones. Um, Why are you so passionate about particularly um, investing into underrepresented founders? And what are some of the things that you've come across that maybe certain groups don't know or don't have access to?
1: Yeah, so I think when you look at the venture capital industry, Um, well over $500,000 billion has gone into funding startups. And there's various data to suggest that less than 5% of that has gone into, um, into female founders, less than 1% of that has gone into black founders. And so for me, it's all about trying to empower those groups of founders. And oftentimes it's about access to knowledge. It's about, you know, access to, to networks. Um, and so that's where I feel as if I can add the most value. So I really do feel grateful that, you know, at Impact Tech, I'm in an opportunity, I'm, I'm in a position where I can really empower and unlock funding for these underrepresented founders, um, which, you know, have been underfunded for for several decades.
0: Um, and in terms of things that you've observed about founders or businesses that tend to become successful, what are some of the key things that you've observed that makes a successful business
1: yeah sure. So I think it's it's almost about that obsession, right? So the individual that's starting the company, they need to be obsessed about solving some sort of problem. Um, and and oftentimes they may have a personal experience of that of that problem. Um, so what is the problem? What is the solution that you're providing? Um, and and are you the right team to make it happen? I think oftentimes that's the key ingredients that I often look for when I'm looking for for companies to invest in. Um, and then ultimately, it's about execution, because yes, you can have a great idea, but what actually matters is is you actually executing on it and making it happen.
0: Amazing. Um, and what impact do you hope to have in your career, and how do you hope to continue to use your influence to create opportunities for others?
1: Yeah, so I guess gender and ethnic diversity is is really crucial if we want you know the world to deliver products and services that really do cater for the whole of society. So I almost see my calling as, you know, really trying to empower, provide access to individuals, reach their full potential. So, you know, entrepreneurs or even females taking up space in leadership or sitting on boards. That's something that I'm a huge advocate for. And I feel really blessed to be in a position where I am able to, to help entrepreneurs and empower them along their way, provide them with access to networks while also providing an unfiltered insight into the world of entrepreneurship ultimately I want to take my passion hopes and dreams to the world and and that's what I hope to do
0: amazing um and in terms of calling what does calling mean to you I know it's a big kind of for me I guess when I think of terms like purpose and calling I could talk about them all day or not even have any words to encapsulate (laughs) (laughs) um yeah what does calling mean to you
1: I feel like ultimately we all have unique gifts and abilities. So for me, I know that, you know, I have empathy. I love serving others and and raising up leaders. And as an investor, you know, supporting entrepreneurs and and having um, invested in others and your resources, knowledge, um, that has really aligned with my career. So I definitely stand by the fact that, you know, God has a plan and purpose for each of us. And oftentimes your passion will enable you to live a life of fullness. Mm. Um and that can take time to discover it's all a process of discovery, you just have to be patient amazing um
0: and in terms of faith, how did you come to faith?
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting story <laughs> so I guess, like a lot of africans i I did grow up in a Christian household. I went to a local Baptist church, would go every Sunday, so me, my sister um and both my parents and I never really understood why would go so I knew that, you know, it's something that we did on a routine basis. For me, it was almost as if it was a more of a social gathering. So I'd go socialize with friends in the youth club. Um, and as I went on to sixth form, I, I just really didn't have that desire to go to church anymore. So I stopped going, um, ended up spending, spending my Sundays watching TV or just catching up with friends to the point where, you know, going to church, having a relationship with God wasn't actually part of my life anymore. And it was, it was odd because at the same time, you know, having been grown up in a Christian household, I was firmly rooted on Christian principles. So I did know the difference between what was morally right and wrong. And I think that prevented me from making a lot of uh, mistakes, despite the fact that I didn't really feel connected. But It wasn't actually until I went to university. And in all honesty, in my first term of uni, I just remember going to party after party. So literally, <laughs> and by the end of the first time, I was absolutely sick of it. And I just wanted, time honestly, I, was just, I just wanted, I just wanted time. I wanted independent time. I didn't want to go out anymore. Um, and I was longing for something else. And, and that's really what led me to my Bible. And I ended up spending a lot of my second term drawing, drawn to my Bible, reading it and, and listening to sermons. And so it, for me, that was the first time I had the opportunity to really investigate the Bible as an adult. Mm. um and i was really really fortunate at the time that you know there was a young lady in my flat um she was a christian and so we would study the bible together debate share our thoughts and and we really did connect through faith so that was back in 2008 um and that was really my journey to faith
0: wow um and how does your faith um play a role in your working life and i guess the reason i ask is often um i know that some people when it comes to faith and money they don't necessarily like to have those conversations or feel a bit weird about it I don't know why Um, but kind of how does your faith play a role in that how do your values shape what you do
1: yeah definitely personally I do feel as if you know faith does play a major role in both my personal work life I get to decide every day, you know, where to put my trust in. Um, and I truly do believe that even in the place of work, so me working in the venture capital industry, whether you work in music, whether you work in fashion, worship is ultimately an expression of, you know, response and revelation to who God is. So regardless of what the actions are of others, carrying yourself in a way that's pleasing to God can be done through any means in your life um, and so for me it's about showing up and, and even when I'm communicating with colleagues or how I deal with adversity in the workplace it's all about and business Amazing,
0: and my final question you are very humble but I will humble brag for you um, <laughs> obviously this year you were on the full 30 under 30 list, what was that like? Um, yeah I would just love to hear your reaction to that whole thing <laughs>
1: Oh, Ruth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do they tell you before we know the-
1: um no so I actually found out on the day that it was released um oh, oh. so that was quite a surprise I kind of got an email that said hey you've been um listed as your list on the Forbes 30 on the first this year congratulations and here is the link to the website and that's kind of how I found out so I found out about 7 a.m on the day um it was during the period when we were on lockdown, so I couldn't really go out to celebrate. <laughs> um, no, but I was, I was definitely pleased. I think, you know, when you go through life, it, it is nice to get recognition like that. But I always say that, you know, recognition is great, um, but ultimately I'm not going to let it get to my head or anything.
0: Um, I know I said that was my last question, but I have another one. <laughs> so I remember on your birthday, someone um, posted the success and humility ratio of Yvonne is like no other and I remember saying to one of our mutual friends that that is like describing Yvonne in a nutshell Um, and you're just one of the most successful yet unbelievably humble and kind people I know what (laughs) (laughs) what keeps you so humble because I say that in the sense that you know the world that we live in people are used to validation often that can change who they are but why have you just been able to be so grounded in the midst of all your achievements.
1: I think it's really down to my upbringing and just knowing that I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. But at the same time, it could be taken away at any point. So I just feel as if I feel as if I'm working in my purpose, and that's what I want to continue do- doing. That's what drives me. Um, if people recognise it, then great. But I personally don't feel the need to to shout about it.
0: Well. Wow very amazing answer in true Yvonne fashion very humble (laughs) (laughs) I've loved chatting to you um, and I really hope from this our listeners take away just the beauty of walking in your purpose and calling as you said that no one can do what you can do you've been given certain gifts regardless of the industry you're in so yeah it's been amazing chatting to you as always
1: thank you it's such a privilege talking to you too.
0: thanks so much for joining us for this episode don't forget to subscribe and if you know anyone who might benefit from this go ahead and share this with them also don't forget to rate and review it really helps us out see you next time